Today's episode of Theoretically Speaking features Jillian Sibring and Sue O'Leary from Prime Global, Ben Rousseau from Adelphi Values Proof, Patty Peoples from the People's Collaborative, and Rachel Forrest from Distiller SR. They joined us to answer some questions from a recent webinar where they address systematic literature review issues that can negatively affect your global value dossiers and how automation can improve your product's market access. Let's jump in. Now, Ben, I'm going to direct this one to you. How do you work on parts of the SLR when you have a very geographically dispersed team? Are you sharing and allocating workload across that team? How are you managing the budget and the timeline with transparency to team members and to others? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think recognize how fluid timelines could be sometimes. Um, Things moving around, moving milestones. It's very rarely they extend. It's more often they, they contract. So so I think it's important because of the, the resource involved in, in some of these aspects, it's important that we've got to be able to manage it effectively so and efficiently. So I think one of the things that we use, and this is where Stiller certainly really helps, is the um, that flexibility and transparency of stepping up the, the analyst review team because we have a single project dashboard so we can add analysts to the process. And as long as they've been trained on the protocol, et cetera, then they can pick that up and, and we can um, double up, I suppose, almost on the, um, on, on the review process. And that helps sort of expedite throughout the, uh, the, 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 the different stages of the review. And I think with it being, I mean, the, the geographical locations didn't come up as a, as a big issue on the, on the first poll, I think, but, it does really help with that because you've got that single point of transparency of where where the whole project's at and who's doing what and and who's done how much etc and um, gives us a real sort of um, snapshot view of that which is really helpful especially when it comes to updating the clients in terms of status updates so we can say exactly where things are up to I think that's a that's a really a, a, a big bonus I think Jillian I know that we have we've had this conversation with our whole panel about the certainly the benefits of automation, but there's always the concern from our clients about the human touch and using automation to address human error, but on the other hand, having enough interactivity with live humans to provide accuracy and quality and all of the things that are so ever so important. Talk to me about how you balance the use of automation to reduce human error, but where you also have human touch points. Yeah, so I think we've probably covered this mostly, but similar really, and we've used the AI reprioritization, which as Rachel was saying, is is very low risk to make sure that we're we're looking at the most relevant articles first. But one thing we, we still do to have the human touch is a pilot stage. So particularly if we're using a team of reviewers rather than the same two reviewers throughout, we would have a a pilot stage where they are all reviewing the same articles and making sure they're aligned in their interpretation of the screening criteria and regular touch points throughout. So we'll have a look at the decisions or any discrepancies in the decisions. We will quite often have a percentage checked by another person or you can you could have an AI checker as well like a quality control just to make sure that the the criteria are being interpreted in the same way and then you can adjust as you go through and make sure that 
you know, if something needs to change in the protocol, that we could document that and say, actually, you know, the reviewers weren't mm-hmm. weren't making the same decision here. Let's update something. And Distiller is great for that because it, it means that you can you can do bulk changes to things that if you, if you decide actually no, this population is relevant or this treatment combination is is relevant as long as you've you've captured that somewhere as a label or as an answer to a question, you can go back and update everything. So I think there are definitely ways that it can it can help you to improve that that consistency. Thank you. Let's bring in a question from our audience from Nicola. And Rachel, this is going to you. Is it easy to get extracted data from software such as Distiller SR into the GVD format? I.e., does the software make it easier than working in Excel? Well, Excel is actually one of the outputs you can choose from the reporting menu in Datarama. And again, a lot of our teams are really comfortable in Excel. And so I feel like that's probably a format that a lot of them will revert back to when they're extracting the data from their literature review. There's a number of different formats. And yes, it can assist with the final document creation as far as having clean data easily accessible at your fingertips. As far as the GVD format, that's again, that still requires human effort. And again, every every team will, will work differently and their value story is going to look different. But as far as being able to extract the data, the relevant data from from the stars are absolutely. Thank you very much. And thanks, Nicola, for that question. I know that most of us probably still use Excel in, in some manner. And I'm interested from our panel, at what point did you decide to transition from Excel or spreadsheets into a different way of doing this? Jillian? I think it it happened gradually for us, really. And there there are some some projects where, you know, we still use Excel and others where we use Distiller SR. So I think I think it depends on the volume of literature and the complexity of the of the questions that you're trying to ask. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely the project I mentioned earlier where we were cataloging and categorizing the evidence be concluded from that there has to be a better way of doing this there has to be a more efficient way of doing this so I think that was that was the turning point when we started to look for for other solutions mm-hmm. so volume Ben any any big trigger for you yeah I'm, I think you know we were having uh, obviously it, it, doing a lot of work in this area in terms of, of literature reviews and, and you know recognizing some of the challenges that we face in terms of squeezing timelines and budgets, etc. You know, we had a, our own internal objective to find: Are we doing it the best way? So, so we ran some internal pilots just with a, a few projects, and and just to see what how we could justify the investment, I suppose. And I think uh, looking at it in terms of what the potential for saving was in terms of um, uh, time and resources. And I think based on that, it was quite an easy decision to to sort of make the switch just because we couldn't carry on doing it the way that we were because it's um the pressures that we're that everyone's under is does doesn't really allow for that so and I think it's been a a sort of a, a learning curve for the team obviously, and I think the analysts who are doing the screening et cetera have adapted much quicker perhaps to than some of the more seasoned sort of systematic reviewers who are very wedded to their their lovely homemade excels with lots of nice dashboards and macros yeah. and things that they <laughs> sort of built up over the year but over the years but i think recognize it they can see you know it, it's quite apparent what the um 
what the benefits are. And I think it's, you know, as we've sort of rolled it out within the team, it's been picked up and, and yeah, I think yeah. We're, we're not having any of those issues anymore. So wrap us up with, with how you approach this decision-making from an executive level and thinking about it from a large department and organization perspective, the transition from maybe the, the Excel or spreadsheet way of doing things into a new, into a new vista. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, because again, we have to put a business case together for the investment, sort of in justifying that. I think from a group resourcing perspective, it, it really makes sense because it means we can bring different people into the projects and we train up quite a, a lot of people from different teams so we can get the best people with the experience maybe in that scientific therapy area to to come in and work on projects so they're not necessarily just systematic reviewers that we can bring in. I think that just really helps us getting the best people in to do that that element of that piece of work. But it just works for us having uh, not having Excel sheets on people's desktops that, that they can use, but maybe other people can't always decipher. Um, so I just think, um, you know, from a scalability perspective, it, it, it's great for us. So. Thank but you. we still review. We we continue. It, it will continue to evolve, and our, our decision making will continue to require that that we can justify the value. Mm -hmm. Different use cases. hope you enjoyed this episode of Theoretically Speaking and that you'll tune in to future episodes where we chat with pharma value, evidence, and access experts. Don't forget to subscribe.